great to be able to preach God's Word. It's always a privilege. And I want to speak to you this morning about um, being on a mission together. And as a basis for what I'd like to say, I would like to use the resurrection story. We're going to be looking, obviously, this week and next week. We are celebrating Easter. Christians all over the world will be celebrating the fact that Jesus is risen, that He's not in the tomb, that He's not dead, He's alive. And this is what we hold to as Christians. And next Sunday, we celebrate that together with Christians all over the world on Easter Sunday. But I'd like to use as a basis for what I want to say to you this morning, uh, the the resurrection story. And so we're going to read that together in Matthew 28. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And we're going to read about about 20 verses together, right? So I'm going to read quite a chunky section this morning. Um, It says this. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week... Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great... Oh, just move my Bible. Sorry about that. (laughs) There was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and they did as they were directed. And this story has been spread amongst the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the of the age. Father, I thank you for your words, and I pray that you'd help me this morning as I encourage people today. In Jesus' name. So like I said, um, we celebrate Easter next week with Christians all over the world, and uh, the resurrection of Jesus always raises some key problems for people. Uh, it does raise some major issues for people. Believers, and non-believers. And I want to say this as a start, starting point this morning. 
there's a key question that all of us have to face. What do we do with Jesus' resurrection? What do we do with this fact of the resurrection when Christians insist that Jesus is the only person to ever have permanently conquered death? That's what Christians claim, that Jesus is the only person to have permanently conquered death. Uh, if you consider that question and, and think about it, it really does force us to confront another issue, is that it's difficult to believe that all religions are true and all religions or faiths are equal because there's no other faith, there's no other ideology that makes a credi credible claim to have a Savior that is risen from the dead. <laughs> the only faith, the only belief system that holds to that is the Christian faith. We're the only ones who claim to have a risen Savior. And if you have a careful look in the book of Acts to the uh, history of the early church, in particular the first year of the, of the church, you will find evidence that there was an explosive growth to the church that came from a miraculous event that people believed. And they so held on to it that they were prepared to live their lives in a certain way and die, many of them, for what they believed. And so I would ask you this morning, if you're here and you, you don't believe in the resurrection... Well, what do you believe in uh, as you're confronted by this story? Because we read here in the way that uh, Matthew describes it, it was very, very real to the woman who experienced it. It was very, very real to the people that first witnessed it. And um, Jesus appears in a risen body and he gives specific instructions to his friends, to his disciples, and they obey those instructions and go to Galilee and uh, there's, there's a very specific thing that happens out of the story. Well, it seems to me that there are two options that we can believe out of the story. The first is, and I'm just presenting what Matthew presents to us, the first option we have to believe is to believe a lie. There's always someone who's willing to arrange a lie for you to believe in. Always someone. I heard this week that someone had been spreading a lie about me. <laughs> There's always someone willing to spread a lie about you. And that's difficult when it happens. But here, we're confronted with the story of two groups of witnesses. One group of witness, one, one of the witnesses is the, is the woman that go and tell the disciples of what they saw and they heard. The other group is the guards that go to the chief priests and they present their version of the story to the chief priests. And so we have these two groups, one presenting what is true, what happened, the others presenting a lie. And the scripture is quite clear. It says the chief priests offer a bribe to the soldiers and they arrange for this lie to be told. Tell the people... Tell the people that the disciples came by night and stole him while you were asleep. Now, I find it fascinating. If you read, read the portion carefully, it's not even a convincing lie. <laughs> Why do I say that? Well, it says there was a great earthquake. I don't know anyone who's able to sleep through a great earthquake. Have you ever, remember when uh, the Bunsfield uh, explosion happened a couple of years ago? Well, it was more than a couple of years ago. I mean, I remember lying in bed, and it just like my, my house rattled, and immediately I was awake. And uh, we have earthquakes all over the world, don't we? And uh, I don't think people sleep through earthquakes. 
when the earth starts to move and your building starts to shake, you don't sleep, you are awake immediately. So this is not even a convincing lie, but it's the best that they can come up with. And uh, they're trying to protect the guards from getting into trouble because they were there to guard the tomb. And so they make this deal, the the chief priests, they say, uh, don't worry, we'll take care of you. If the governor hears about this, don't worry, we'll take care of it. And they give them a sum of money. So we have this thing that happens that the message of the resurrection goes out into the world alongside the message of the non-resurrection, if you like. And um, that's one option that we can believe, that it's all just a lie. The second option I want to put to you this morning out of um, this portion that Matthew writes is that actually the second option is to believe this, that what happened was true, and then to have a look and see what it resulted in for those people And all of them took an amazing message to the world. And that's my challenge to all of us this morning. These 11 disciples plus the woman, uh, and I I would think some other close followers, are told by Jesus to get together in Galilee, which is, if you remember, that's the major area he ministered in. And they go up into the hill country in the northwest of Galilee, and he meets them there. And it's interesting, even in verse 17, it says, even when they saw the risen Christ, all of them together, some worshipped him and some doubted. Don't you find that fascinating? The scripture is always honest. It presents to us in one little sentence what we face with all the time. Do we respond with faith, believing what God has said, or do we doubt? We are offered the same option this morning. Do we believe in what God has done through Jesus, or do we doubt? And... uh, I just It encourages me from this level that no matter how much proof you offer people, no amount of proof can bring about faith in anyone's heart apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in that person's life. And we have to, as we seek to be those that live before God and live our lives out loud and walk our, our faith out, as we seek to share the good news that we have in our own lives with our friends and our family, let's be praying always that the Holy Spirit is at work in those hearts that they can grasp and understand what God is offering and God is doing in their lives. Amen? And so, when Jesus appears, He gives two promises and four commands. And I want to look at those very briefly with you. Two promises to us, four commands, and then I'm going to just try and encourage you uh, in terms of the church and how we're going to go forward and what we are trusting for this year as a church community. The first promise that Jesus gives these disciples, these friends of his, is all authority on earth and in heaven has been given to me. That's the first promise he, um, he uh, makes to them. He says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. And I want to encourage you that Jesus here is obviously referring to what happened in the resurrection. He means all authority has been given to me because I've been raised from the dead. And resurrection power has been given to him. And I'll put it to you that he had greater authority then and now, after rising from the dead, than he ever did in his life. He had supreme authority. All authority now was his. And this is the encouragement that you and I have as we go into the world and share the gospel through our lives. That same power, that resurrection power, is in us. That's what, that's what motivates us. That's what encourages us from the inside. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and I, and it's that same power in us that enables us to share anything with anyone at all. Let it encourage you this morning. And so, there is really life from the dead power of Jesus that resides in everyone who believes by faith. Let that encourage you. 
And then there's four little, four little um, uh, commands. The first is this. First, Jesus says, go. Jesus says, go. And the spreading of the gospel always involves going. All right? It always involves going. Even if it means you go to your neighbor or the house next door, there's always going involved in preaching the good news and living the good news. And uh, the church, unfortunately, tends to invite people, doesn't it? The church says, come to us, this is what we're doing, and invites people in, which is a good thing to invite people. But you know what? The more Jesus spoke more about going than he ever did about coming. And so my encouragement to you is this morning that all of us are called to go. You are called to go to your neighbor. You are called to go into your workplace. I am called to do all that I can with my life to go to people and engage with people. And I've said this many, many times. Let me just say it again. What we do here on a Sunday is like halftime in a football match. It's like halftime in a game of rugby. It's like drinks and lunch in a game of cricket. It's when you come together to be encouraged, to hear from the Holy Spirit, to refresh yourself, to get courage from each other so that we can go out during the week. Uh, I am not a nurse. I am not a doctor, I am not a lawyer, I am not a person that works in industry, but all of you are. Yes? I am fulfilling the call that God has given me in my life, and that is to preach the good news, to equip the saints for the work of service. That's what God's called me to do. That's what I do, why I do. But if you are a doctor this morning, if you are an astronomer, if you are whatever you are, a businessman, you are called to go with the good news into your environment. You are called to make disciples as well as much as I am. <laughs> this is God's instruction to all of us, to all Christians. Go. The first thing he says is go. And so I would encourage you this morning, as we've sung about it, we are all called to go. I want to encourage you this week, go. <laughs> Whatever your environment, go into that knowing that you carry the risen power of Christ on the inside of you and you can share through your life what God has done for you. All right? Second, simple command from Jesus, make disciples. Uh, I, I was reflecting on this, and actually, di disciple really just means new convert. And I found myself saying this, and I've had to repent this week. Sometimes when we talk about disciples, we, um, we use it to express like a hierarchy of maturity, don't we? I've said this myself. We don't want just converts, we want disciples. In other words, we want people that are walking with Jesus, that are growing in Jesus. Have you heard that phrase? I've said it many times. But actually, as I looked at the scripture, disciple really does mean new convert. That's all it means. Go and make disciples. Go and make new converts. Go and do all that you can to see people saved and understand the gospel. And yes, we do need to, after that, encourage people into maturity and help them do all we can. But let's be making disciples. Let's be making converts. Let's be trusting God that he's going to use us to see many, many people saved. Amen? And so I want to encourage you as a church that all of us are called, and the first thing we are called to do is make other believers, to reproduce ourselves, as, uh, as Tim and Becky have reproduced themselves. We are called to the same thing. We are called to make spiritual babies, aren't we? Come on now. Of course we are. Third, Jesus says after that, he says, baptize. Do you notice we're not called to baptize advanced believers? We are called to baptize new converts, new disciples, 
as soon as possible after they get saved, after they come to faith. And I want to encourage you, if you're an old disciple and you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you, get baptized. It's the first thing of obedience that you need to do. So don't worry about that I've said what I've said this morning. Just get baptized. All right? But we are called to baptize new converts as soon as possible. And uh, really, water baptism is a two-way thing, isn't it? It's showing God is promising us something, and we are doing something towards God. We're saying something to Him. We are expressing our faith by saying, God, we believe in you by faith, and this is a symbol, this is a, a picture of what we believe. And at the same time, God is, is promising us salvation in Christ. That's what the picture of baptism is. The water has no power, it's just water. In fact, if you get baptized here, it's probably going to be in cold water. There's no power in the water. It's just a picture. And it's, why do we do it in public? Because it's a picture for others to look at and to see what God has done for us. That's why it does need to be public. So we can celebrate with each other. We can say, yes, I'm making the statement that I'm putting my trust in Jesus and God is promising me salvation as I put my trust in Jesus. And I want you all to see that. Okay? Go. Make disciples. Baptize. And then fourthly, he says, teach them to obey all the commandments that I've given you. So there's the fourth thing is teaching. And so, do you notice again the order? Teaching follows conversion. Teaching follows baptism. Not the other way around. We're not trying to teach people into the kingdom. We want people to be saved by the Holy Spirit, and then after they're saved, we, we give instruction. We do all that we can to point them to Jesus in the Scripture. Amen? And so, the apostles learn from Jesus, and they try to teach everything that they'd learned from Jesus. They wrote it down, and our responsibility now is to get to know the Word, which is written down by those early men and women, those early, early men, and to make that part of our own lives that we can share that same Word with others. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. Do you notice we are all called to do that? Every single one of us. Not just the preacher. All of us are called to do that, all right? And so, first promise, all authority has been given to me. Four simple commands. Go make disciples, baptize, teach. And then there's a second promise. The second promise Jesus says is, I will be with you always to the end of the age. What I love about this is, you know, the final thing that Jesus says to his disciples it's not uh, make sure you obey the law, make sure that you are doing all that Moses commanded you. What is he saying? He's saying, no, I am with you. And the words that he leaves with them are the words of the risen Jesus. We are always, Jesus put us under the power of the Holy Spirit. The last thing he said to his disciples, well, I'm leaving you with this. Not pointing us to Moses, but pointing us to himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we live free. We walk by the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus has for us. We're not ruled by any system. We're not ruled by any person. We are under the influence. We are under the command of the risen, compassionate, powerful Savior, Jesus, that we sang about this morning. Amen? That's how we live. We live by the Spirit. And so, to bring that into some kind of alignment with our local church community, this is what I want to say to you this morning, that we do have a dream. My dream and those that lead with us, is that this church would fully embody these verses, Matthew 28. That we'd learn to fully engage with and embody these verses in our lives. We've come up with this little thing, rooted, planted, fruitful. It, it's, it's another way of saying what I've said this morning. 
go, make disciples, baptize, teach. It's the same thing. It's the same message. And as I reflect on uh, the last 15 years of what God has done with us here, I'm greatly, greatly encouraged to see that we are beginning to see this great commission fulfilled through the life of this church. And I trust as we move forward this year, we will see even, even more being fulfilled. And we are, as a church, we are a vital part of God's kingdom, aren't we? We prayed this morning, we sang this morning, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And the kingdom comes as you and I go. <laughs> the kingdom comes as you and I make disciples. And that's how the kingdom comes. One person at a time. One life transformed at a time. And the kingdom comes. And I think sometimes we have this thing as Christians that we want someone else to do the, the thing. We just want to come and get people together and in one big miraculous event, people are, thousands of people are getting saved and, and you know, we always say that's how it was in the book of Acts. Can I just remind you, I was watching the cricket the other day, the World Cup, and Jesse came into the room and we were watching and he, he, uh, he said, Dad, this is an amazing game. And I said, yes, yeah, it is an amazing game. It was Sri Lanka playing somebody. It was the highlights of the game. Cricket is an amazingly, amazingly exciting game when you only see the highlights, isn't it? When you see the highlights, you're not sitting there for 50 overs, you're just seeing in five minutes the best shots in all the wickets. Five minutes. An amazing game. Can I just remind you, everyone who says the church needs to be like the book of Acts, can I just remind you with compassion in my heart, the book of Acts is written over 40 years. The, what you read in the book of Acts are the highlights. And we, we, we you know, I've, I read something this morning uh, on, on Facebook. Someone said, the church must be like the book of Acts all the time. The book of Acts is the highlights. We don't read about the 40 years of slog that Paul and the other apostles had. We don't, we don't hear about how they all were martyred and killed. But we do have the, the miracles that happened every now and then along the 40-year journey. Why am I saying that? Do I want to see healing? Absolutely. Do I want to see miracles? Yes, I do. Do I want to see many, many more miracles than I do? Yes, I do. And when I, they happen, and we have seen some happen, I want to celebrate with all of my heart, but I'm not ever going to beat people up because I've got still 40 years to go. Come on, it's true. Let's just be honest. And of course we want more, but let's enjoy what we have right now. Yes? With expectation that God has much more for us. And let's enjoy every single person that He saves, heals, delivers. When the highlights come, let's make much of the highlights. Yes? Okay, so. What I'm particularly thrilled about is that we are seeing this community grow. It's continuing to grow with lost people that have been found by the love of Christ and are being transformed by the power of the gospel. And over the years, we have seen many people saved in this church and um, from different backgrounds, different nationalities, and we've seen people healed and restored. And the great joy to me as I was reflecting on, on it this week is that those people that have got saved in this church have not only become friends, and some of them are still here and are a blessing to this community, but many of them have gone out from this church. And that's a great joy. And as I was just thinking of it, I thought of Dom and Ali in Canada, Glenn and Honey in Hong Kong, Mike and Engel in Beijing, Andy and Anka in Romania, and I'm sure you can think of many others that I've forgotten. Those are the ones I could think of this morning. It's a great joy. That's part of our inheritance. That's part of our, our um, inheritance as a church that many have come to faith and many have heard the call of God. And the call of God is, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and live your life. Go, go to where God is calling you and make disciples there. 
That's a brilliant thing, isn't it? Well, I think it is a wonderful thing. It's part of our inheritance. And we had a prophetic word spoken of us many years ago that we'd be a church that's like a battlefield hospital. Let me remind you of it. Where wounded, broken people would come, where they would find healing, where they'd find peace, where they'd find strength, where they'd be freed from legalism, and in, those, in turn those healed, restored people would go out again into the world and show the love of Christ to everyone that they came into contact with. And I'm grateful for every life that we've seen part of this church community over the many years and every life that has been touched through the ministry of this church over the years. And so our dream is that as we, all of us are going to continue to, make, to play a part in making disciples <laughs> as we go out. And I want to encourage you again, go out this week. Teachers, go to your students. Doctors, do what you can with your patients. University students, encourage other students to find something of Christ in their lives. Yeah? And so I, I just find, for me, the great encouragement is that Jesus promises us. He says, I am with you until the end of the age. As we do that, He is with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so part of that dream is that we want to see that happen. And part of the dream also is that we want to see this place filled with people that are not yet saved. How many times you're probably bored of me saying this, but those stacked chairs at the, the back there, we want to see those filled with people that do not yet know Christ from this community. People that are being transformed by the love of Jesus. And uh, I've tried to encourage you this morning, that's all of our responsibilities, that all of us are called to go. But let me also remind you now this morning how this facility, this amazing thing that God has blessed us with here, is being used as a tool to help make disciples. How people from this church are volunteering in various ways to share the love of Christ and to see other people become disciples of Jesus. I don't know if you know this, I've said it before, but every, every term, hundreds of school children come into this facility from Nic Nicholas Breakspear School. They're welcomed through these doors and they hear the good news of Christ. Hundreds. And some of you volunteer with STEP to help that make happen. And we've heard many stories over the months and years of kids being ministered to, kids being prayed for, uh, strengthened and encouraged. And when Chris Butch Evans came a couple of weeks ago, he shared some of that story with you. It's a brilliant thing that STEP is doing. Just yesterday, we hosted a conference for 267, which is uh, Michael Palin's uh, youth uh, workers um, conference. And people from all over Hertfordshire and other people from around um, the nation will be here being encouraged to take the gospel and to share it with young people. It's a delight. In May, Tim is going to be la launching a Friday afternoon drop-in where we um, are going to have kids coming from uh, the local schools and maybe some of the students from Oakland's to have a safe place they can come on Friday afternoons just to hang out after school, play table tennis, drink some coffee, make some friendships. We're going to set up an internet cafe. Why? Because we're trying to reach into the community. We're trying to say, Jesus is alive and he wants to transform your life. We're not doing it, Tim's not doing it because he needs something to do. He's got lots to do. He's doing it because he wants to share the gospel with other people. We're going to be running the Alpha course in May. Another opportunity for us to invite friends and family and to reach into, our, into, into those that are close to us, reach into their lives and to show something of the love of Christ. Are we trusting that we'd see many people saved? I'm trusting we will. We will. 
But it's part of the dream that God has given us to make disciples of all people. Ryan and Mandy, I said we're going to the, um, the old age home after this meeting. They felt some, God give them something in terms of what they want to do with their lives and they, they want to minister to older people. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I think it's very cool. It's like they, I don't know how old they are, maybe late 20s, early 30s, but they want to minister to older people. I think that's incredibly wonderful. And so let's see this place filled with people that are not yet saved. Thirdly, you've heard it before, I want to say it again. We have a dream that the lonely will find a family here. That lonely people will find a family here, a home where they are loved, where they are accepted. And this again was a promise that God gave us many, many years ago. And part of our mission as a church is to see the lonely welcomed into this family. It's part of seeing God's kingdom come. Um, and I want to encourage you again, as, we, as the church grows, I believe the church, as it grows, it must get bigger and smaller at the same time. Bigger with our, our corporate meetings, smaller with our home groups, our, our connect groups, whatever you want to call them, because that's where you really can build friendship. So I want to encourage you, again, as we get bigger, and we are going to get bigger, and many more people are going to come, let us get smaller at the same time, big and small at the same time, building deep friendships with each other, and celebrating together as we get together on a Sunday, all right? And then fourthly, uh, part of the dream for this church is that we would have a church that loves the poor and serves the poor. God has a special place in His heart for the poor, and around us we can see so many opportunities to help the poor. And uh, already some of you uh, are helping Give, which is City Church's um, uh, project to help the poor in this area, to feed the poor. Many of you have been helping the vineyard with their uh, project called Feed. And I want to thank you. For me, it's a delight that we can um, cooperate with other churches in the community and we can help each other to do what God has called us to do. There's a partnership that is, is happening, which is wonderful. But it's not only about food. It's not only about clothes. Uh, Cheryl and Fiona have been running the CAP course, which is a, a wonderful opportunity that we have as a church community to help people get out of debt. And so I want to encourage you to pray f for all of those that are involved in, in the CAP course uh, so that we can see people come out of poverty, come out of debt, be released into the future that God has for them. Derek, for many years, has been working with the homeless in Watford. Last night, he was there until late in the evening, just trying to help people that don't have a home. I, I don't know what it is for you, but all of us can embody the gospel. We can live out the gospel in some way in our community. So for, for Derek, he's, he's, he's been wanting to do that for years, and he's been doing it for years. Joel Smith has a dream to use this facility to supply, help people for, that need counseling. I think that's a brilliant thing. Uh, we use this place to reach out to those that need ongoing counseling and encouragement and restoring relationships and whatever it is. Let's pray for her as she, as she uh, seeks to see that dream fulfilled. And so there are many opportunities that we have to love the lost and the broken. The cool thing for me, though, is that it's not only about, like I said, inviting people into what we're doing, it's also about going into the world, very much going into the world. And so I want to just give you some examples the last number of years, and I trust it encourages you. I remember when the tsunami came many years ago now. How, is it about 10 years ago already? The tsunami came, devastated all those communities in India and all across the Indian Ocean. Well, we had a wonderful opportunity to um, partner with a friend of ours called Tony Johnson who was ministering to fishermen in India, and we were able to send some money to replace the boats and the nets that were d devastated by that, that tsunami. 
And I, I always find that a thrill, that we can partner in some way with, with people in the third world and, and other parts of um, the world to, to be a blessing to people. That's part of the going, isn't it? Uh, Zach's mum was working with an education project in Uganda, and we were able to send many thousands of pounds to help her with her project to get computers into that school. Uh, we were able to help Peter and Eva Bohm. Um, Colin and I and a number of others went th three or four times to Slovenia where they were ministering to drug addicts just to try and encourage them and, and uh, see them refreshed in their, in their ministry. Um, these are brilliant opportunities. More recently, Andy has gone to Romania. Andy and Anka. Uh, Andy Worsop from this church met uh, Anka while he was out there. And he's, he's working for a charity called Ruth, which, is, um, which we, we, we support Andy every month. And part of that is that they're trying to reach out into the Roma community to give people that are really have no hope for their future. They're trying to reach into these people's lives, inspire them, give them some kind of education, give them some kind of skills that they can live a life that is more fruitful than the one that they have right now. And I've spoken about C Cambodia uh, through Clive, friendship with people that he has in Cambodia. We went to a church last year called Nexus Center, which is planting churches into rural, poor rural areas of Cambodia and uh, we're going back again this year to encourage them again. And many of you gave finances. Many of you helped us raise the money that we've been able to bless them with. And I want to say thank you. It's a great encouragement to see the Church of God rising up. So thank you for that. And we're going to present something to you next week, like I said, just to encourage you to come with us this year. And I say all of this because there is a dream that beats in our heart for this church and it's been, God's been shaping it in our heart for many years. And I, I want to ask you this morning to consider this. That the dream that you have for your life, the destiny that you have for your life, the thing that God has called you for, can be worked out with all of us here. I ask you to consider that. You see, the older I get, the more I realize this, that my dream fits into God's dream for the world. Uh, I, I, when I was in my 20s, I wanted to change the world. And over the years, I've come to realize that I perhaps can't change the whole world, but I can change some people's world somewhere. Yeah, through how, the way I live and what I do with my time and my energy. And I want to encourage you that the dream that God has given you for your life fits into the big dream that God has for the world. And the big dream that God has for the world is, as Michael said to us last year, he wants to bring, uh, last week, he wants to bring many sons to glory. He wants to bring many into his kingdom. That's the dream that God has for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And Paul says, how are people to know if there's no one that is prepared to go? And if no one is prepared to go and preach, how will people ever hear the good news of Jesus? If we do not take the responsibility on our shoulders and say, I'm going to go. And so I want to encourage you to go this week, wherever you are, into your community, into your family, and into your friendship circle. So I ask you again, will you bring your dream and let it become a part of all that God is doing for His kingdom? What gifts do you have? What motivates you? What do you think about concerning other people? How can your part of the puzzle, your, your piece, which is part of the puzzle, how can that help to make the whole picture come clear? And the thing that I've learned about jigsaw puzzles, if there's one piece missing, it is the most frustrating thing in all the face of the planet, isn't it? You, you spend hours 
for putting a thousand piece puzzle together and there are three pieces missing and you just go, it's irritating. So, same thing, if your piece is missing, the whole thing doesn't look right. And I want to encourage you to find that thing that God is calling you to and to add it, the big picture that God is doing so the picture can be complete and that his kingdom can come in the world. Every picture needs every part for it to be complete. So I want to finish with this. Just to say again, you know, this amazing facility, the fact that you are all here, the fact that God has called you, the fact that God has saved you, the fact that God has joined your hearts to the people of this church community, it's not just an accident. It's not just that God had nothing better to do with your life. It's not just so that we can have great times of worship and friendship together. It's not just so that we can build friends that uh, have friendships that perhaps will last our whole lives. Those are all brilliant things. I want to say that's, that is the byproduct. That's the secondary fruit of a church community. Those things are brilliant. They are absolutely wonderful. But the main thing is that this facility, all that you see, the friendships that you get to enjoy... The fact that God has joined you here is that he has a task for us. That's the main thing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> and the main thing is to make disciples. The main thing is to go into all the world. The main thing is to preach the good news of Jesus so that many can come to Christ. That's the main thing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And so all of this, all of what we see, all that God has blessed us with is simply a tool for the task. It's a tool for the task. And I want to say to you, as my friends, God's blessed us with this amazing building. It is a tool for the task. We should be open that if this building ever gets in the way of the main task, we have the liberty and the freedom to say, God, if it's your will, we sell it. That's how lightly we hold it. It's not the main thing. I'm grateful every day that we use this facility and we see many, many people come through this, uh, but it's not the main thing. The main thing is Jesus wants us to make disciples, to go out into all the world. So we get to co-labor with him on his big project, and we help to bring many sons to glory. And so I want to encourage you, be a fisher of men this week, all right? Amongst your friends in the community, wherever you're working, wherever you are in this nation, so that we can see the kingdom come. That's our mission on this earth, it's to see the kingdom come and let God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I ask you to stand, please? And I want to ask that we pray for each other. I want to ask that you just lay your hands upon someone. If you're visiting this morning and you find this part very strange, that's okay. You don't have to take part, all right? But uh, if you're committed to this church, I want to ask you to lay your hands on someone around you. And we're just going to simply respond to God's words and we're going to bless each other and we're going to commission each other. We're going to say... I'm commissioning you, just as Jesus did by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would go into the world and make disciples. That you would find courage this week to share your faith with someone. That you would find courage by the power of the Holy Spirit right now to share your faith with friends and family that you might have found difficult. Yeah? We are called to go and make disciples. Why don't you spend some time just praying for whoever's next to you, and then we're going to uh, finish our time with some worship. And I'll pray a prayer at the end. But let's just encourage each other and pray for each other right now. Thank you.